All right, well, I am excited to continue our series through the book of Luke. And what we are seeing as we go through this book is that when Jesus steps onto the scene, it changes everything. And before we dive into the passage I want to look at this morning, I want to start with the confession. I want to get something off my chest. Some of you may know this about me. Some of you may not. I don't know if it's going to affect more nation or not, but there's no going back now. So I'll just confess something, right? So there's something I love. I love it a ton. And it's this. I love trains. And to prove how much I love trains, I got a giant railroad crossing sign, if I can get it uncovered. There, there we go. All right. I love trains, all right? And I did not steal this off the side of the road. Someone gave it to me. Did they steal it? I didn't ask questions, all right? Uh, but I love trains, right? And, and I have always loved trains. But for a long time, right, when I got a little older, I realized, man, trains aren't as cool like when you're like 20, when you're like five, right? So, so for a long time, as much as I grew up loving trains, I started to keep it quiet, right? Just like I covered this sign, I kind of kept my love for trains a secret. Why? Because I didn't want people to make fun of me or laugh at me. When I told my wife, she laughed at me. So I'm like, this isn't good. Um, so I kept it kind of like as a secret, right? And, and then when I got into middle school, I'm thinking, I want, you know, girls don't have cooties anymore. Like, girls are pretty sweet. And so uh, I wanted to get some chicks in my life, right? And so I didn't call them that at the time. That would have been a little jacked up. But uh, I liked the ladies, right? And so trains were not the way to attract a girl. And so I was like, I should probably keep this quiet. And so, man, I was like, man, as much as I love trains, I'm going to keep this a secret. But recently, a few years ago, I decided, you know what? I love trains. I'm just going to full go into my obsession with trains. I don't care who knows it. And so here's just the way to prove it, right? So some of you, when you get stopped at a railroad crossing sign, what do you do? Or like if you're driving, you know, the train comes, you probably can't say it because you're in church. I know what you think, right, and what you say. But I'm like the 1% of the world that I love it. I like drive out of the way to get stopped by a train at times because I just want to see it take pictures of it, and then this is really bad. I told you confession time. Uh, I am a part of a train fan group on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, I'll share the picture that I take at the train, right? So it's a little weird, but that's, that's who I am. I love it, right? That's part of who I am. But I kept it quiet, right, because I was afraid of what people may say or what people may do, and there's no going back because now you know, and this will be on the internet soon, right? But <laughs> Thank you, right? Um, but I love trains, but I kept it quiet, and many times, what I did with my love for trains, if we're honest, a lot of times as Christians, we do that with our faith, right? Out of fear of what someone may say, out of fear of what someone may do or what they may think, we cover up our faith, right? We keep a cover on it because we fear man. We fear what people think. We fear what they say. We fear what they may do. So may, I'll be a Christian. Yes, I'll commit to Jesus, but, but I'm going to keep that secret. I'll keep that quiet. But what we're going to see in the passage this morning is Jesus wants something more for us, that he wants us not to keep our faith quiet or to keep it a secret, but to be bold about it and to profess it to the world out there. And so Jesus is going to move us in that direction as we look at this passage in Luke this morning. And to do that, Jesus is going to give us three things. He's going to give us a principle, a warning, and a reminder. All right, so that's where we're going, a principle, a warning, and a reminder. And this is how Jesus starts with the principle in chapter 12, starting in verse 4. Jesus says, I tell you, my friends. All right, so he is speaking to his disciples, though who, those who have committed their lives to following him. He says, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. And after that, have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you of whom to fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God? 
Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. So Jesus begins this passage with the principle. And the principle he lays out is this, that we fear God, not man. All right, say that with me. Fear God, not man. All right, it's the 10 o'clock service. You should be a little more awake. Let's do it again. Fear God, not man. Right? And that is a guiding principle. As a follower of Jesus, one of the things that should determine how you live and what you say and even your beliefs should be that you fear God, you don't fear man. And in the same way, Jesus is applying this principle in this passage to what we say about him, what we profess about him to the world of unbelievers. And so he is saying, hey, you should verbally profess your faith, right? That's key. Verbally profess. You should go public with your faith because you fear God, not man. See, many times the reason we don't go public with our faith is why? Because we fear man. And Jesus says, don't let that be what motivates you. Let the fear of God motivate you more than the fear of man. And yes, your relationship with Jesus is personal, right? We get this confused. Yes, it is a very personal thing that only you can decide to follow Jesus. Your parents don't decide it for you. No one else makes that decision, only you. And so yes, it's a personal decision. It's a personal relationship between you and God, but it's not private, right? Your relationship with God is extremely personal, but it is never a private matter. It should always be a public matter that you should identify, you should verbally profess your faith as a follower of Jesus. But many times, like I said earlier, the thing that keeps us from that is the fear of man, that we're so afraid of what people may think of us or what they may say or even do to us. And so we shrink back in fear. We, We hide our love for Jesus and our faith in Jesus out of fear. And so a few weeks ago, I posted this question on some of my social media accounts, and I asked this question, what keeps you from going public with your faith? Like, what are some of the reasons you hold back from telling people that you're a follower of Jesus? And all of the responses could really be summed up in the fear of man. But but I wanted to give you some of the responses because I think it shows just why we fear man or how we fear man when it comes to going public with our faith. And you might identify with some of these. The first one is rejection. Rejection, right? We are so afraid that people will reject us. And it's not that we're afraid that they'll reject the gospel. We're afraid they're going to reject us as people. Because deep down, all of us have a craving to be accepted and to be loved. And if someone rejects us because of our faith in Jesus, that freaks us out. And we think, no, they got to accept me. they got to love me. And so sometimes out of fear of rejection from man, we keep quiet. Another one you might identify with this is being associated with hypocritical Christians. Right? Jared covered this last week in our sermon. The, the Pharisees, the religious elite of the time, right? These were people who were hypocrites. They look good on the outside, but they didn't really love Jesus. They only kept the rules of religion. And we have Pharisees in our church today. We have Pharisees in our world today. And sometimes out of a fear of being associated with Pharisees or, you know, the Christians that don't always live like it, we sometimes shrink back in fear and say, I don't want to be associated with them. One one person that responded on my Facebook said it this way, because so many who represent the faith are arrogant butts. He didn't use the word butts, and because I'm ordained, I will let you fill in the blank. I won't fill in the blank, right? You know what he said. And so sometimes out of fear, right, we don't want to be associated with them. We hold back. The flip side is the third one is this. Sometimes we don't want to be seen as a Jesus freak, right? You're saying, Austin, if I start telling people at school that I'm a Christian and I start to be vocal about my faith, they're going to think I'm one of those weird Jesus people. Right? They're going to think, man, yeah, it's cool that you love Jesus, but don't start talking about it. Don't start running your mouth about it. 
We don't want to be seen as a Jesus freak. We don't want to be seen as different. So we fear that. Maybe it's family conflict, right? Maybe you are in a family where you're one of the only believers, maybe the only believer, and out of fear of what your parents may say or your siblings or anyone else in your family, you think, man, if I start talking about my faith, they're going to reject me or they're going to, there's going to be tension and conflict and division. And so sometimes out of fear of what might happen in our family, we shrink back. Another one is being asked tough questions. If you start talking about your faith and you start to be vocal about your love for Jesus and your commitment to him, what if they ask you questions like, hey, how do you trust the Bible? Why do you trust the Bible? Why is there evil and suffering in this world if God is so loving? Those are some tough questions. And so sometimes out of fear of those questions, we hold back. And then the last one is persecution, right? Persecution. And we live in a country right now where we don't really face physical persecution, but we know that our brothers and sisters across the globe, they are the globe, they are facing physical persecution even right here as we sit in church because of their faith. And just a little side note, I mean that should be convicting for us because those people who are standing up for their faith and they're uh, facing physical persecution, they're not backing down. They're not afraid of man. Right? Man may kill them, but what are they doing? They fear God above man, and they are bold in their faith. And how much more should we with our freedom? But sometimes it's not physical persecution we're afraid of. It's just, you know, someone may make fun of me, or someone may treat me unfairly at work. And so we're afraid of that type of persecution, so we don't go public with our faith out of fear of man. But Jesus responds to all of those fears and this whole fear of man in the passage we just read, and he says it this way. He says, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that, there is nothing more they can do, right? So Jesus is saying, when a man kills you, their power's over, right? There is nothing more a man can do. That is where their limit stops. And so he says, don't fear them. Now, you're probably thinking, and I read this the first time and was like, ugh, something that Jesus, I should probably be afraid of being killed, right? Like, that's, that's a legit concern. That should freak you out a little bit. And so Jesus is thinking, well, true, but there's something you got to keep in mind. And he goes on to say this. He says, if I can find where it is, uh, he says, I will tell you who to fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has the authority to cast you into hell. So he says, the reason you don't fear man is because man's power is limited. They can kill you and that's all they can do. You should fear the one who can not only kill you, but he controls your eternal destiny. Right? He can do way more than any man can do. He is more powerful than any man on this planet, right? And so Jesus says, don't shrink back and not proclaim your faith because you fear the lesser of these. You should fear God. Don't fear man. So here's the thing, right? The principle is very clear. The principle is you fear God, not man. And many times we shrink back in fear of man and we don't go public with our faith. But Jesus says, hey, I want you to go public I want you to fear God. But he adds something very interesting in verse 6 and 7. You might have caught this. Because Jesus says fearing God is not only like a fear where you run away and hide. Like it's not that you're afraid to approach God. There should be some level of respect of his authority and power. That's true. But fearing God is also a reverence for him. Having a, an awe of him because of how much he loves you and how much he cares for you. And that's why Jesus tacks on this phrase. He says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. So Jesus says, hey, I care even about the sparrows. So in this time, you could buy sparrows for like dirt cheap. They were insignificant. They weren't that important. 
And God says, man, or Jesus says, God loves these sparrows, every single last one of them, so much. And he says, there's a lesser to greater argument. If I love these sparrows, these insignificant, cheap sparrows, if I love every single one of them, how much more do I love you? How much more do I love you, people who I created in my image, people who I gave my son for, right? How much more do I love you? And he goes on to say, he loves you so much that he knows every detail about your life, even every hair on your head. Now, for some of you, that's like two hairs, so it's not a lot to remember, right? I'm going to be there soon, so I can't make fun of you for too long. But, uh, but he knows every hair. He cares about you so deeply. And Jesus says, man, don't fear man when you have a God that is this powerful and a God who loves you so deeply. Fear him above man. And so we verbally profess our faith because we fear that God. We don't fear men. One person summed it up this way. He says, a proper fear of God will free us from improper fears of man. So what frees us up from fearing man is that we have a, better pro- we have a proper and a better fear of God. We fear him above man. And so that's how Jesus starts with this principle, fear God, not man. But he's going to go on in the passage and he's going to give us a warning because he wants to shake us up a bit. He wants to get our attention of just showing us how important this is. And that's what warnings do, right? Like warnings get our attention. Warnings tell us we're doing something wrong. We're going the wrong direction. And to give you a little uh, backstory of how I've learned that personally, let me share something back in high school that happened. It didn't involve trains, so calm down. Um, but uh, back when I was in high school, I went out with some friends uh, and we went out to a movie one night, uh, and the movie was over, and we got in the car, and we were headed back home. Uh, my friend, she was driving the car. I was in the back seat with some friends, and uh, we were at a red light. Uh, we were about to turn onto the highway to head home. And so the light turned green, uh, and we turned onto the highway, and we start going. And everything seemed great until we saw a sign that said these words, wrong way. Okay. And then, at the same time, you see headlights, and then it hits holy crap, we're going the wrong way down a highway, right? Like, this is bad. And at the time, like, it was like a bunch of girls in the car, and I'm like, yeah, high school, this is awesome, girls, yeah. And they're all screaming, and I'm like, this is the worst time to be in a car with girls. Like, terrible, right? Like, crying, freaking out. I'm thinking, should I confess my love for trains before I die? Like, what should I do? (laughs) Everyone's freaking out, right? And so my friend, she puts the car in reverse. I don't even know how we didn't get hit going back into an intersection. And then we go off, and luckily we made it home. I don't think my mom ever knew I almost died on the highway. So um, she's going to be here later, so she'll find out. Um, but, uh, but that was a terrifying time. And thank goodness, right? Like, thank goodness those signs were there. Like, thank you, highway people, for putting the wrong way sign because that got our attention. Like, we need to turn around. And Jesus says, in the same way, I need to get your attention. I need to help you understand that what you profess about me now matters. And what you profess about me now is very, very important. So this is what he says, picking up in verse 8. Jesus goes on to say, and I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man also will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. All right, so Jesus, like I said, he wants to give us a warning. And what he is referring to here, he says, one day we will all stand before Jesus, right? We are all going to stand before him in judgment. And Jesus says, what determines what you hear from me at that day is what you say about me now, right? What you profess about Jesus, what you profess to believe about Jesus now gives you an indication of what's coming in the future. 
He says, if you acknowledge me now, if you profess faith in me publicly now, then you can have confidence that one day you will stand before your Lord and Savior and he will acknowledge you. He will uh, acknowledge you before the angels, it says. But the flip side is also true, right? Like you can't throw Jesus under the bus now and be like, yeah, I kind of want this Jesus thing, but I don't really want to tell people about it or, or be open about it. I just kind of want a little Jesus in my life. Don't expect to do that and get to heaven and Jesus be like, hey man, we're good, come on in, right? No, because what we say about Jesus now, what we profess about him now, indicates what he says about us in the future. And that's what gives us confidence, right? Like when we profess our faith and you get made fun of, you know what should give you confidence and strength to get through that? Is that one day you stand before God and he will accept you. That man may reject you now, that man may persecute you now, that man may make fun of you now, but you push through that knowing that one day you stand before your Lord and he will acknowledge you. And that gives you the strength to get through it. And to help you understand just what Jesus means by this acknowledging me before men, I want to show you a passage from the book of Romans. And the Apostle Paul is going to speak to this. And this is what he says in chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. He says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess faith, and are saved. So Paul says there is a link between what you believe about Jesus in your heart and what you say about Jesus with your lips. And he gives us the order. He says you believe in your heart, right? You believe the gospel. You believe Jesus and what he's done for you. You believe it in your heart. But then what happens? That belief in your heart comes out your lips, that you profess that faith before a world. You're not ashamed of that. You're bold about that. And so the order, right? True faith, the order it follows is this, heart to the lips, Right? True faith will always start in the heart and it will, out, it will go out of the lips. But I want to add a third one on that. And Paul would agree with this. Other writers of the scriptures would agree that there's a third element and it's life. That true faith in Jesus is a heart issue that you believe in the gospel. But then that belief goes to profession. But then ultimately it leads to how you live every single day, every moment, every aspect of your life. And so a true follower of Jesus is someone who acknowledges yes with their lips because they believe in their heart. But that life that they live, the way you live day in and day out, it backs up that claim, right? It's the heart, the lips, and the life. And now some of you are probably panicking right now because some of you, when you hear that, you're thinking, oh, I've dropped the ball. Like there's been many times that, man, I, maybe you straight up denied Jesus, maybe out of fear. You said, no, I'm not a Christian. When, when you are, maybe uh, you kind of, you know, skipped the question a little bit and didn't really proclaim your faith. And so you might be thinking, Austin, I've kind of screwed up in this area. And you might be thinking like, oh gosh, what are you saying? Is Jesus and Paul saying I'm not a Christian? No, there is grace, there is mercy. You will drop the ball. You will mess up. We all will. That's why Jesus says in our passage, and everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. Not might be, will be forgiven. There's grace there. Think about Peter, right? One of the original disciples. What did Peter do right before Jesus went to the cross? He denied Jesus three times, right? Like three times he said, no, I don't know this guy. No, I don't know him. No, I'm not with this guy. He denied Jesus right then and there. But what did Jesus do? Jesus rose from the grave, and after Jesus rose from the grave, he went to Peter personally and said, I forgive you, Peter, and he restored Peter to leadership. And he used Peter in the church. You go over to the book of Acts. Peter was used to preach the first ever sermon in the book of Acts, and tons of people came to faith. And it was at that moment the gospel in the church started to explode. Peter was instrumental 
in the explosion of the early church. And so if you've dropped the ball, the good news is you're in good company. The disciple and the apostle Peter did it as well, and there's forgiveness there. But we don't sit there in that, and we don't think, well, I've already blown it. No, what do you do? You get back up, and in the grace of Jesus, you say, next time I profess my faith, I'm not going to shrink back in fear. Next time I have the opportunity to profess my love for Jesus, I'm going to do it boldly. Why? Because there's grace, there's forgiveness, and he still loves you. But there is this interesting phrase that Jesus adds onto the passage, and you might have caught it. He says that, yes, if you speak a word against the Son of Man, you'll be forgiven. But he says, if you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, you will not be forgiven. And this is one of the passages in the gospel that we uh, refer to the unforgivable sin or the unpardonable sin. And it's this sin that Jesus clearly says, if you do this sin, you will not be forgiven. And that shakes a lot of us up, right? Like we're thinking, we should probably find out what that is and make sure we don't do it, right? And to understand what that sin is, you just got to go a few chapters back in Luke. And we covered this a few weeks back. But Jesus is, uh, he's doing miracles, right? He's performing amazing things. And the Pharisees, instead of uh, accepting that work of Jesus, instead of letting the Holy Spirit draw them to Jesus and who he was, they rejected it. But they didn't just reject it. They said, you know what, I reject it. And I also think that what Jesus is doing is the work of Satan, right? They were attributing the satanic work to the work of Jesus. They were saying this Holy Spirit, this Jesus that's doing all this stuff, that is from Satan. And so they were rejecting what Jesus was doing. They were rejecting what the Holy Spirit was trying to reveal to them. And so that means if someone is constantly in opposition to the gospel, and this isn't like a one-time thing, you say no to Jesus and then you're done. But this is, if you have put your heart up against Jesus and said, I don't want this, I don't believe in this, I think it's a joke, I think it's a lie, and you're unrepentant and you're persistent in that and your heart is hardened to the gospel, then Jesus says it is unforgivable. Why? Because you're resisting the one thing that leads to forgiveness, right? The Holy Spirit, his job is to convict us of sin, to reveal to us who Jesus is, to reveal the gospel to us. And when someone has outright rejected that Holy Spirit and they put their heart up against opposition of that, there's no forgiveness. Why? Because they are rejecting the one thing that leads them to forgiveness in Jesus, And I don't have time to dive much deeper into that, but there's a great video. If you want to jump onto our Facebook page and go to our video tab, you can go about a year back and Pastor Rick did a great video called Ask Pastor Rick on this topic, and he dives into it a little more deeper. And so I'd encourage you, if you want to know a little more about what Jesus is saying there, jump on and watch that video. But for our sake and time in this passage, Jesus is saying, hey, I want to get your attention. I want you to know you should fear me above man. You should go out and profess your faith. And what you say about me now matters, right? There's a warning there. But Jesus is going to end with a great reminder. Because Jesus wants you to know, man, I get it. There are times it's a little scary to share your faith. It's a little scary to profess your faith. There might be some times in your life where you have to be the only one to speak up for Jesus and to declare your love for him. And Jesus says, I know that. So Jesus ends with this great reminder in verse 11. He says this, And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about what you should or how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Right? This is a great reminder because Jesus is talking to people that would soon be pulled into the synagogues. You jump over to the book of Acts and these people listening to Jesus, they were some of the people who had to go before the religious leaders and had to defend their faith over and over. Some of them were put to death. Some of them were persecuted in other ways. 
And Jesus says, hey, when you get into that situation, do not be anxious. Do not worry. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is with you. The Holy Spirit will teach you what to say in that moment. He will guide you. And it's a beautiful picture of God coming alongside of you in the Holy Spirit and saying, hey, I got you. Proclaim your faith in me. No matter what comes your way, I got you. I'm here with you. And it's the same for us today, right? Maybe you're afraid to proclaim your faith at school. Maybe you're afraid to talk about your faith to your coworkers. Maybe in your family, you're afraid to be open about your faith. Jesus says, do not worry. Why? Because I am with you. I will give you the words to say. I will help you through those times. Billy Graham once said it this way, the will of God will not take us where the grace of God will not sustain us. Right? The will of God for all of us, and the Bible says this, the will of God is that we wouldn't keep our faith secret, right? We go out, we profess our faith, we're open about it to an unbelieving world, and we know if that's the will of God, the grace of God will sustain. The grace of God will give us what we need. And when we screw up, the grace of God is still there. He will give us what we need in those moments. And so as we wrap up our passage, I mean, the main point that you will see over and over here is Jesus says, fear God, not man. Don't keep your faith quiet, right? Don't hide your faith like I hid my love for trains, right? Jesus is a little more important than trains, so don't hide it, right? Go out, proclaim your faith, be bold in your faith, be open about your faith. Do that because you fear God. Don't shrink back because you fear man. As we respond in worship, there's the song we're gonna sing, and these are the words of the song. It says, you are the one above it all, I stand in awe. You're the God over all I know. No higher name, no greater throne, you stand alone. You're the God over all I know, right? We serve a God who is above every man. We serve a God who is more powerful than any man. We serve a God who is above it all. And so we proclaim our faith boldly because we don't care what man can do because we know we have a God who is above everything. And so with that in mind, let me pray and let's ask God to help us respond in worship but also obedience to this. Father God, we do bow before you. And we realize you are above it all. We, like, we acknowledge, God, that you are above everything. And God, you are above every man. God, if we fear someone because of what they may say or do or think about us because of our faith, we know at the end of the day, we have you. And you are so much greater. You are so much higher. Lord, you are above it all. And so God, as we even sing that right now, I pray it would not only be words out of our lips to a song, but it would be the heart or the cry of our heart. And God, we would be people who trust in you, who is above it all. God, we would trust in you to the point that we don't fear man, God, because we fear you. So God, we love you. Help us to apply and obey this. In Christ's name, amen.